You're listening to The Blind Stealing the Blinds, a podcast by students of the game for students of the game. Join Dell and BJ in conversations about poker theory and bridging the gap between theory and application. We're all in this together, so let's get to it. This week's topic, why we are betting and the incentive of our range. Hey, Dale, how's it going this week? It's going fantastic. Just so our listeners know, this is being recorded on July 10th. Tomorrow morning, I get up, I finish packing my camper, and I drive out to Seabrook, New Hampshire, where I'll be, uh, it'll be my home four days a week until the end of October, going out there to do a new job. I'm looking forward to getting back to work. Excellent, excellent. And by the time you finish that job in October, your hope is, or I should say your plan, is to turn pro after that? That is correct. So that's one of the reasons I'm looking forward to it. it. It's part of this whole process. Now, that's an ambitious goal, and I'm going to try to meet it, but I also won't be surprised if it's going to take a little longer, too. I'm looking forward to it. It's the next step in in uh, progressing on to a professional poker player. That's excellent. I remember hearing an adage where if you reach for the stars, you'll be guaranteed to not grab a fistful of mud. So even if you don't end up turning pro by the end of October, the fact will likely be you'll be a much better poker player than you were as of this recording, July 10th, 2021. So I'm looking forward to your journey. So this week's topic, Dell, why are we betting? So that kind of seems like a simple topic. So help me out here. Why are we covering? Why are we betting? I was in the uh, school that we attend for our poker uh I had brought up a discussion about bet sizing. Dominic Ania, who is one of our coaches, who is a phenomenal coach, honestly is all booked up, but if you ever get a chance to get coaching from him, uh, you will be well served. He brought up the fact that it was hard to have a conversation on bet sizing with a lot of students because a lot of students didn't even know when they should be betting. And in that process, I thought about is like, well, how can I help my fellow students understand when they should be betting and by that process help myself and then the thought came up well the problem with that is a lot of students don't even know why they're betting okay okay what i was hoping was that we could go through this process over the next few episodes of we're going to take and talk about why are we betting when are we betting what size are we betting so they're very simple topics but i can promise you there's a lot to each of these topics what there is in the nuances of these topics is far more complex than say the words of the topic why are we betting it goes much deeper than that all right so the problem statement that we're trying to solve here is really understanding the incentives of our range and understanding like when not necessarily how much we want to bet but why we bet Right. And that's exactly correct. I mean, the thing is, is that what is the incentive of our range to bet on a a more micro level? What is the incentive of our hand within our range is incentive to bet? What happens is people tell themselves things like this. I'm betting this hand that that this crazy hand because I can bluff it. And they're doing that pre-flop. Well, we're never betting pre-flop as a true bluff. We could have the argument around semantics of whether or not the hand has less equity than somebody else's and therefore it's a bluff and all right theoretically yes but that hand still has equity pre-flop and even seven deuce is going to win 12 percent of the time against aces do we want to play seven deuce no all right well we always go back to the well-constructed range so when we're constructing our range this is the first spot where we talk to ourselves about 
why we want that hand in there and why we would be betting it. And a good example is like King Jack suited in a lot of times is going to want to call behind in a lot of situations where seven six suited might want to be three bet in a lot of situations because they perform better under them circumstances. I saw your eyes get wide. Trust me, there's right. there's there, right. there's there's a reason before it. But I don't want to go down that just yet. That'll be an episode down the road. My eyes got bigger because I was making the connection and I hope our audience was also making the connection that the way in which we construct our range pre-flop, the way that we developed a well-constructed range is by understanding in future streets, this is what I can do with this range. This is how I can carry this range through the flop, the turn in the river, because I know ahead of time what my incentives are going to be given certain board textures and runouts. So it all comes back to a well-constructed range. And I'm not sure that a lot of people make that connection between construction and incentives. Yeah, here's the thing that, and you're absolutely correct, all right? But there's an underlying incentive to every bet we make. Different incentives on top of that for different portions of a range. But the number one underlying incentive for the reason we bet is value. <laughs> okay. And people will say, oh, no, that was a pure bluff. Yeah. And you bet it for value. Fold equity has value. When you get caught, it has value. We're always betting for value. And if we're just betting on a whim, then we're not betting right. Ah, I thought I could get him off. What? No, don't think you can get him off. Why do you think you can get that person to fold? So when we look at this, when we're betting pre-flop, we have some options when we're betting pre-flop, one of them being fold, but we're not really discussing that this week. We're discussing the other two options, which are call and raise. And those two are bets. I mean, we never call calling a, a bet, but it is a bet. You're putting money in the pot. The question is, when you get to that point, why are you making a call or why are you making a raise or why are you making a three bet? That's a question that's got to be answered before you sit down at the table. The answer could be because this portion of my range plays better as a call post flop. And I may three bet it sometimes, but I may call with it a lot more than I three bet it because it performs better as a call. And there are portions of your range that will if it's a well-constructed range against certain opponents. It's not like I'm betting because, hey, I got a good hand. I'm betting this way because this hand performs this way on the next street and on the next street. And, on, and this is what I can accomplish with this hand. You're trying to accomplish something with a bet. If you're three betting a pulled range and you're three betting the bottom part of your range in, in that within that three bet range, the, the thing you're trying to accomplish is you're trying to win the pot now, but you still need to be doing that with a hand that can perform post-flop because you're going to get called sometimes. People are betting on whims, like especially at lower levels. People are betting on a whim. I felt like playing this hand. You know, I haven't played in a while or I'm card dead, so I'm going to play this hand without ever thinking about what that hand can do and why they should be betting it or if they shouldn't. You know, sometimes the answer, if you can't answer the why I'm betting, then you shouldn't bet. I think some answers to the why are better than others. So I think we get to spend some time qualifying that. For example, a C-bet. Some people will C-bet 100% of flops because they read in a book somewhere or they watched a YouTube video that said, if you are the pre-flop aggressor, you need to continue the aggression with a continuation bet, with a C-bet. But what's the incentive there? Like The reason why you're C-betting is because someone told you to C-bet and you probably misapplied the information. There's probably a better reason why you should see bet 
And there may be reasons why you refrain from c-betting, either to check call, check fold, or check raise. So what about that, Dell? What would you say about different qualifications of reasons why? Yeah, so when we get to the flop there, and, and we're looking at this, and you're right, there, nowadays there's a lot of people who be c-betting around 70%, and that's right, but sometimes they don't know what 70% to bet. The other part of that is that it's always the same bet size. It's always the same, no matter what. And, and the reason for that is, is they don't understand the incentives of, of the portion of the range that have hit that board. So when we look at this, there's and, and you and I know this, there's certain flops, there's certain static flops where we're going to be betting a lot smaller because what we're trying to accomplish is we want our opponent to come along. We need to bet for the value. We want the value. We don't want to miss a street of value, but we have to bring our opponent along with their overladen range. They've called with too many hands. We want to keep too many hands in so we can get more value on the next street. And we have a plan for the next street. We're going to take and start polarizing going forward. But at this level, at this first one, it's a static flop and we're betting smaller. Why are we betting smaller? Why are we betting? Well, we're betting for value. Why are we betting small? We're betting small because we want to keep their range intact. We want them to call with everything in their range because their range is overburdened. So I think there's an interesting point that we haven't really talked about yet that's implied. When we are carrying our entire range through the story of the hand, we have holdings within our range that clearly have value. We also have holdings in our range that are either semi or pure bluffs. And you're not talking about the incentives of betting relative to whether your actual hand is a value hand or a bluff. I wonder if you can talk more about that, how value betting and bluff betting your entire range is kind of synonymous. <laughs> it is, it is. But I mean, there you are going to obviously have a static board where you've missed and you're going to bet. And, you're, and why are you betting that? Well, because... When you bet that, what happens is, first of all, you're going to win a lot of times there. A lot of times you're going to win on the next street. You have range advantage. This is one of the reasons we bet. This is one of the reasons we three bet pre-flop, right? Why are we three betting? Well, we're three betting so that we can get to the flop with range advantage, an uncapped range, so that when no static flops come out, and they come out, by the way, those flops come out more than any other flop. The flop that is going to be advantageous to the aggressor comes out more than any other flop. So moving forward, we can apply pressure to an overburdened range with an uncapped range and get a lot of wins when we don't have a hand. We're bluffing for value there because one, we're going to win a lot. The other reason is on the times we don't win, we're still protecting our top of range value. We're make, ensuring that going forward, we'll get some calls for that top of range value. So there's a lot of reasons to bet there and we are betting a range moving forward. You get to a point where you might have to be betting a specific hand. When it starts to get down towards the river, we get more and more towards what our specific hand is against what they can possibly hold. But we're still, we still have bluffs and the only way we have bluffs is if we carry our range forward. So we're always betting for value. We're always taking and betting in a way that meets the incentives of the portion of our range that hit that. I talked about static, but you get wet boards and generally you're not going to want to bet the top of your range there because it's not doing well against it. If you have good board coverage, you're going to have some hands that are going to smash that and you're going to bet them. And why are you going to bet them? Well, because they're high value hands now. And 
that board just hit your opponent's range better than it hit yours. So they're probably calling. If you hit that board with good board coverage, you're probably going to get paid in those situations. So you can bet larger. But you need to know why you're betting before you can ever get to the point of, how much do I bet? You need to know why you're betting before you can get to the point of, do I bet? Because most of them boards, you're not going to bet. But luckily, they don't come out that often. So I think I'm seeing four main benefits to understanding why we're betting. One is that having an understanding of why we bet will help us carry our hand through the story of the hand through all progressive streets and plan that hand out. And as we've talked before, having a solid plan for how to play a hand is going to help you in the long run because it's less cognitively demanding, freeing up your mental space for those tricky turn and river scenarios. The second thing is that if you know why you're betting, you can better understand your bet size based on your frequencies and your opponent's frequencies. Third, you'll know if you even should bet, are you going to do an equity realization strategy or an equity denial strategy, either trying to maximize your equity or minimize the equity that they're going to get from you. And lastly, and this is kind of the culmination of the first three, I think, by having a plan, understanding why and how to bet, you're going to have an even greater skill advantage over yeah, your opponents. Absolutely. That 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 fourth one is is I don't think people understand that like people are not thinking about this at the table. People are not even considering why they're betting. They're betting because they read a book that said, "Hey, you should see bet." They're betting because they they listened to a podcast that said, "Hey, you need to take and bet 70% of the time." The podcast didn't tell them what 70%. And guess what? We're not going to do that today either. You need to get with somebody who can help you learn what a well-constructed range is so you can know what your 70% that you got to bet is. The thing is, is like all this is that huge advantage we get because we don't need to get complicated to have an advantage at 1, 2, 2, 5. You just don't. What you need is you need to have a clear understanding of what you're playing because most of the players are not. They're betting on a win, not because they understand why. They're not betting with well-constructed ranges. One last thing I want to make sure I mention, we may go a little longer, but I want to make sure I mention this. When you're going through this, your incentive on the turn are pretty much the same as they are on the flop. They can get a little more expounded or a little more narrowed. But when you get to the river, you have one more type of value that you're betting for that you need to know why you're betting for it and if you should be betting for it and that's thin value if you don't know why you're betting you'll never get to the point where it's like oh i have thin value here i need to bet and you won't understand how much you should bet because you're just not going to know you need to know the why you're betting and that goes with how your hand at that time on the river is going to perform with the hands that they got there with that are weaker that they might call with all of that all of that needs to be understood and it all starts with, why do we bet? I think there's an interesting dynamic at 1-2, 1-3, and even 2-5 to some extent about that river play you had mentioned with thin value betting. I think a lot of players don't bet for thin value on the river out of fear of getting raised. And so few players actually raise you on the river because they're afraid of you re-raising them. There's a lot of fear that goes on in the river. So if you don't have a clear understanding of what hands you beat, what hands beat you, and having narrowed your opponent's range through the successive streets to get to the river, you're missing out on a lot of money by not taking advantage of those spots where thin value presents itself. Right. But here's the thing. If you knew the why for the betting thin value, 
then you'd know whether or not your hand has showdown value or thin value. If your hand has showdown value, don't bet. And if your hand has thin value, bet it. And if you get raised, fold. It's thin value. You knew it was thin value. That's why you bet it smaller because it was thin value because you were trying to get lesser hands to fold. All right, big deal. You had to fold. Folding is winning poker. <laughs> if you don't know how to fold, you will not be able to make money in poker. It, but it's one of those things that frustrates me when I think about poker players trying to progress and watch them with these fears around silly, silly things. There's nothing at the poker table to be afraid of if you have gone there the right way. If you brought your mortgage money there, I'm sorry, you made a mistake and you, you, you shouldn't play. If you brought your money that you can afford to lose to play, there's nothing to be afraid about. In today's day and age, nobody's taking your life at the casino if you win a pot. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Afraid of betting the thin value because it might get raised. I might have gotten check raised. I didn't raise here because I, I did three bet because we want to be four bet. Well, what happens if you four bet? Do they take your birthday away? <laughs> that happened once. It was the worst year ever. <laughs> Thank you. I needed that. We want to take it, it to bring it back. We want to always know why we're betting. Well, that determines when we're betting. If the why is can't be answered, then we can't be betting. I got no reason to bet here. I don't have a why for betting. That's all right. I don't bet. So we talked about the problem about not understanding why we're betting, not understanding the incentives of our range, and not seeing how that range interacts with the flop, the turn, the river. We talked about why that's important. And we talked about proposed solutions on doing that, you know, to better understand why you're betting understand when you should not bet. So what tools can we provide people? What help can we give our listeners to say, hey, go do these things to practice this concept? One of these is going to be pretty easy and obvious, and, and that's a coach or a group that you can run hand histories by. The other thing is, if you have somebody who's a better player than you, you can review their hand histories and ask them, why did you bet? And keep asking them that question over and over again. Why did you bet here? Why did you bet here? Why? What was the reason? The more you do that, the more you're going to understand why that better player is doing what they're doing. But another way that you can do it yourself is you can take out Flopzilla, Poker Cruncher, Equilab, and you can take out your range and you can run flops and you can see how your hand hits certain flops by looking at how it hits the flop. It will help you determine what type of flops that you want to be betting. How many, the flops you hit a lot, you get, you can take and say, all right, I can bet these at a lower price and at a higher frequency. The flops that it hits rarer, when you hit them, you can bet them higher, but when you don't hit them, you don't want to be betting them. Each of those can be set up to run multiple ranges. So you can run your opponent's ranges in there, throw in any range, expand it, shrink it, whatever you need to. It's just, it's, it's the work we have to do to understand the game. It's the work we have to do. Those are simple tools. You can go deeper if you're ready for it. And most of us aren't, to be honest with you, but you can go deeper and go into solvers. Most of us are not ready for solvers. One thing I'm going to do after having recorded this podcast, because I realized this is a glaring hole in my hand histories. Whenever I post a hand history, I'm going to state why I'm betting or why I'm checking. Previously, when I post a hand history, I just kind of post the actual data of the history, the actual facts. And then in the comment or reply to that post, 
I will give a little bit more exposition, a little bit more description of the table dynamics or what happened, but I never talk about why I'm taking the action. Going forward, I'm gonna change that. So I want to include the why so that I can get better feedback on whether my rationales were well-founded or not. I'm gonna tell you that I usually give a thought process on every street when I do a hand history. And a lot of what's helped me out is when somebody like Seabass has challenged me. For our listeners, Seabass is a professional poker player and he's a good friend of ours and he's also one of our coaches. So him challenging me on, like you say, you did this for this, but that doesn't make sense. That's not the right reason. That has helped progress my game. I've had a lot of conversations back and forth in our group with him about that sort of stuff. And that has helped me transform my game. Do I always agree with him? No, but it helps hammer out the autoplay because that's one of the reasons, that's one of the things we're talking about when we say you need to know the why is there's so much autoplay. I'm betting this hand because I was told it's part of my range and I'm going to bet it. Well, yeah, but you're three betting it and you shouldn't have there, you know, whatever it may be. There's too much autoplay in the average poker player's game. So they end up doing stuff that they shouldn't because they're, it's autoplay, autoplay. They're not answering the question, why? To challenge that a little bit, and this may actually go into a future podcast, there's autoplay. And then there's having well-founded default lines based on thoughtful consideration and study. I have a lot of default plays. I would probably say 90% of my play is defaulted because I understand I have a well-constructed range. I understand flop textures. I understand how my textures and my opponents interact with the boards, things like that. What you're talking about is just kind of like the naive, mindless autoplay that doesn't get anybody anywhere except your rec player spending some hours at the casino. They're absolutely not even close to the same thing. All right, right because right. when you're talking about your defaults, one of the things you had to answer before you set up your defaults was why. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I just right. want to you make had, that explicit yeah, for so, our listeners. Yeah, well, see, I want, I want to make it clear. When you set up a good default, it's because you're trying to free up cognitive bandwidth to be able to deal with other things at the table. That's why we have these defaults. This is why most of our decisions are made before we ever sit down. But those, all those decisions that we've already made before we sit down as a good poker player is that the first question was, why? <laughs> why are we doing this? Why should we do this? Why shouldn't we do this? Why does this work? Why doesn't this work? And we've gone a little off our topic here, but it's all, if you're listening to this podcast, I can promise you one of the words, we're in our 10th episode or 11th episode. And one of the words that's going to come up an awful lot is why. And if you can't answer the why, then there's a hole. You have to answer the why. That is part of the process. So when you get to a, a good set of defaults, those defaults were arrived at by answering those whys. And if we find out that in them defaults, we find out later on that there's a why that maybe wasn't answered correctly, then we have to adjust them default. When we're talking about the person who does autoplay, I'm really talking about somebody who's never thought of the why. They've literally, they've read something and without ever getting into the why. How many books out there have put out range charts and never explain why <laughs> you know play these range charts from this position okay why well because i said so because i read it in a book there's a why to it there's each portion of that range does something it's important to answer that question excellent appreciate that it's a really good topic it sounded simple when we started but diving deeper there's a lot to it i mean the question of why really forms the foundation 
of all your solid play going forward. And so it's it's really important. All right. Do you have anything else to add, Dell? I think we did a pretty not. good cover of that topic. I do not. Thanks, Dell. Appreciate the time. Thank you. It's been great again. It's always great. And until next week, this is the Blind Stealing the Blinds. Like what you heard? Head over to anchor.fm slash the blind stealing the blinds to subscribe, access our show archive, and find us on the socials to continue the conversation. While you're there, you can also support the show. One blind per month is all we ask.